Hey, my name is Ryan. And I'm pretty sure I'm Joe. And we are the hosts of Movie Hell, a podcast all about movies and pop culture. We're two buddies who talk about this stuff anyway and wanted to share our own madness with all of you. Yeah, we have these discussions anyway and rant and rave about movies, TV, and pop culture in general, so why not share it? The objective of Movie Hell is to bring you reviews and discussions of flops to avoid, new stuff to see, and hidden gems that might end up being your new favorite. Whether you're looking for that perfect movie for Friday night or wondering if anybody else found Mr. Nobody as unsettling as you did, I'm sure there's something for everyone to enjoy, and if not, let us know and we can always learn and improve. Ah, boy, do we have room to improve. You can listen to Movie How on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and pretty much anywhere else fine podcasts are curated. So what is it that's keeping you awake? You must sleep sometime. You don't want to hurt anyone. But I do, and I'm sorry. It won't stop. Samara? Konnichiwa, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to another episode of Cryptique. We ask that you subscribe and share, share, share. Email us your paranormal stories and we'll read them on the air. Cryptiquepodcast at gmail.com. And if you like short documentary style TikToks, check us out at Cryptique underscore podcast. I'm joined as always by a man who schedules recreational colonoscopies. Ryan, what's up? Not a whole lot, man. You you undervalue the the relaxation and peace of mind that comes with a good recreational colonoscopy. Yeah. I mean, some people just eat, you know, oatmeal with with blueberries and bananas and things like that to clean them out, but I mean, should I really get everything? It doesn't. You got to have that stuff you drink before the colonoscopy. You know what right. I mean? Where you're on the toilet for 12 hours. Yeah. And the fasting. <laughs> the fasting's the worst part. Like drink the most disgusting drink you've ever had and shit yourself inside out and then don't eat anything. <laughs> right. You can have a little bit of water. Come on, man. But anyway, obviously all kidding aside, what are we talking about tonight? We are talking about and mispronouncing the names of vengeful Japanese female spirits. In Japanese traditional beliefs and literature, Onryo are vengeful spirits, sometimes described as wrathful spirits or hatred spirits, are a type of ghost believed to be capable of causing harm in the world of the living. They've been known to injure or kill enemies or even cause natural disasters to exact vengeance to right the wrongs it received while alive, then taking their spirits from their dying bodies. Onryo are often depicted as wronged women who are traumatized by what happened during life and exact revenge and death. The term overlaps somewhat with Goryo, except that in depictions of Goryo, the acting ghost is not always necessarily a wrathful spirit. Goryo is essentially an aristocratic or noble ghost. While the origin of Onryo is unclear, belief in their existence can be traced back to the 8th century and was based on the idea that powerful and enraged souls of the dead could influence, harm, and even kill the living. The earliest Onryo cult that developed was around Prince Nagaya, who died in 729. 
The first record of possession by the Onryo spirit affecting health is found in the chronicle Shokunihongi, which states that Fujiwara Hirotsugu's soul harmed Genbo to death. Hirotsugu died in a failed insurrection after failing to remove his rival, the priest Genbo, from power. Emperor Antoku and Emperor Daigo were believed to have been Onryo. Tell us about their vengeance. According to the belief of Akirio, a person's soul or spirit exists naturally when it is stable or in balance. When too much hatred or resentment brews, it can become separated from the body, resulting in the spirit becoming an Onryo. This can allegedly also occur in individuals who died an untimely death. Traditionally in Japan, Onryo, driven by vengeance, were thought capable of causing not only their enemy's death, but causing natural disasters such as earthquakes, fires, storms, drought, famine, and pestilence. Kind of, you know, we touched on this earlier, but mm. in common vernacular, vengeance exacted by supernatural beings or forces is labeled Tatari. Well, let's talk about Kuchisaki Ona, or the Slit Mouth Woman. She is a malevolent figure in Japanese urban legends and folklore. She's the malicious spirit, or Onryo, of a woman, and she partially covers her face with a surgical mask and carries a pair of scissors. She has long, straight black hair, pale skin, and is considered beautiful, except for her scar. According to legend, she asks potential victims if they think she is beautiful. If you say no, she will either kill you with her long medical scissors on the spot, or wait until nightfall and murder you in your sleep. So it's interesting that she makes appearances in daylight, too. If you say yes, she will reveal that the corners of her mouth are slit from ear to ear, and she will then repeat her question. And think of Heath Ledger's uh, Joker when you're That's thinking. exactly, yeah, the description I was thinking of. Yeah, so that's, that's what her face looks like. If you say no, she will kill you with her scissors. And if you say yes, hesitantly, she will cut the corners of your mouth to be as beautiful as hers. Methods that can be used to survive an encounter with Kuchisaki Ona include answering her question by describing her as average, or by distracting her with money or hard candies, which would fall right out of her mouth. <laughs> Some claim that if the victim says yes, calmly and fearlessly, that she will reward them with a blood-red ruby and will let them live, but if they look back, she will show her blood-curdling smile and slash them to death. According to legend, Kuchisaki Ona was a woman who was mutilated during her life, with her mouth being slit from ear to ear, like we said. In some versions of the story, she was the adulterous wife or mistress of a samurai. You want to tell us the story? Sure. Yeah. That. Although, I, I do want to add that I think I am perfectly equipped to survive this encounter that you just described. How would you do that? I uh, am automatically trained to just say, to, to agree or say yes to whatever I'm asked by a woman. <laughs> if any of my, if, if Kim asks me anything like, does this look good? Does, or, or to say no. I mean, I know the right answer. It's not just an automatic yes. Does this make me look fat? No, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. You know, does this look okay? Yeah, of course. It looks great. You know, or, or some of my employees like, do these pants look stupid? Does this color match this? And like, it looks, it looks perfect. One of them is a little weird, but 
I was, she was like, well, how does this outfit look? And I was like, it looks however you want it to look. If you want it to look hot, that's what it is. If you want to look pretty, it's that too. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's however you feel these days. Facts yeah. <laughs> are unimportant, just how you feel. But you also, you know, when you're complimenting your significant other, you have to throw in a no every now and then just so they believe you when you say yes. Keep on their toes, yeah. That's right, so... All right, so this is the story, one of the stories of how she came into existence. Tell us the story. She was the most beautiful girl in the village and was courted by many suitors. She had her pick and chose one of the samurai. He was strong and brave and had a reputation as one of the fiercest warriors in all of Japan. The problem was that the samurai were called into battle, often for extended periods of time, and the beautiful woman grew lonely. She still had a line of men that stretched around the block. Her loneliness soon got the better of her and she began having relations with many men. One night, upon returning from battle, the samurai stopped by a local establishment to have sake or rice wine with other samurai. After becoming intoxicated, another samurai told him of a beautiful woman who would only be with the bravest of souls. Full of sake, the samurai knew he was the bravest of them all. His friend showed him the way to the woman's lair, and along the way he began to walk familiar streets and soon arrived at his own front door. Puzzled, he walked inside to find his wife in bed with another man. The samurai ran his sword into the man's back and pulled him off of his wife. He then used his sword to slice his wife's mouth from ear to ear. She was cast out of the house and out of society and died of starvation, only to return as the slit-mouthed woman. Other versions of the tale include that her mouth was mutilated during a medical or dental procedure, that she was mutilated by a woman who was jealous of her beauty, or that her mouth is filled with numerous sharp teeth. And that's that's pretty scary. I mean, basically, if you can picture yourself just, you know, walking on the street and, you know, you're in Japan or, or in, you know, other Asian countries, they have similar legends, but it's common to see people especially in japan that wear the surgical masks right like if they have a cold they wear the mask if they think they're around other people that might be sick they wear the mask so it's common you know obviously this was uh pre-covid now people wear masks all the time they're scared to death but this woman would approach you and have this surgical mask on and you know obviously that covers up her scar so it's creepy but in any case let's talk a little bit about the history the kuchisaki ona legend has its roots in japan's edo period which spanned from the 17th to the 19th centuries the legend of kuchisaki ona dates back to at least as early as 1979 and this is the modern version of the tale obviously you know we're talking about a long long time ago but Rumors about Kuchisaki Ona spread throughout Japan, creating hysteria to the point that young children would sometimes be accompanied by members of parent-teacher association groups while walking home from school. Historian and manga author Shigeru Mizuki considered Kuchisaki Ono to be an example of a demon in Japanese folklore. Just picture what appears to be a beautiful woman approaching you. You're not going to run. You know, she's not scary or anything until she pops that mask off and you see the horrific scars. And she she is often depicted as having the, you know, the shark teeth. But mm. you want to tell us a little bit about pop culture? 
Sure, Kuchisaki Ona has appeared in live-action films as well as in manga, anime, and video games. The character appears in the 1994 animated film Pompoko. She is also mentioned in the 1998 film Ring, directed by Hideo Nakata. In 2007, the film Carved, the Slipmouth Woman, released. The film was followed by Carved 2, The Scissors Massacre. The Joker, as we mentioned earlier from the movie The Dark Knight, and Jeff, the killer from Creepypasta, have similarities with Kuchisaki Ona. Have you uh, listened or, or read any of the uh, Jeff the Killer stories? Mm-mm, no, actually, I haven't. I mean, I, I don't know that I have, I guess is what I should say. I do like Creepypasta stories. Mm-hmm. I don't... I don't recall Jeff the Killer specifically, but I've definitely read Kuchisaki Ona stories from Creepypasta. Yeah, well, Jeff the Killer has that slit mouth face, uh, like, you know, Heath Ledger as the Joker. And also, if you're familiar with the Momo challenge or whatever mm. was on YouTube. Yeah, I never, I never understood exactly what that was. Can you explain that? Well, we need to do it. No, we need to do a show on it, but okay. uh, or an after party. But basically, there was this. It, it could be an urban legend. I, I haven't dug into it, but you know, it it gained popularity that this Momo who looked like a Kuchisaki Ona basically gave you challenges, like this per. And I don't know if Momo is even identified as male or female, but they would say drink a glass of milk as fast as you can okay done okay throw a rock at your neighbor's car done okay do some cuts on your arm okay uh take some pills you're not supposed you know what i mean and just kept going on and on until people died yeah and that's the legend it could be true uh we'll cover it on another episode i i want to tell you about the impact on society. The local kids were terrified, right? They believed all this stuff. Rumors arose in early December of 1978, and it said that the first appearance in mass media was in the Gifu Nichinichi Shimbun, which I'm assuming is a Japanese newspaper, on January 26, 1979, and was followed by an article in June of 79, in an issue of Weekly Asai. In early December 1978, an old farmer allegedly stood in a toilet separate from the main house, so an outhouse, and saw a woman with a slit mouth. Rumors spread that he lost his shit when he saw it, which is good because he was already in a toilet. On June 21, 1979, a 25-year-old woman in Himeji City was arrested for violating the Firearms and Swords Act by playing a prank and dressing up as a slit-mouthed woman and wandering around with a kitchen knife. Now, that's a step above. You know, like we see in the United States, these clowns that walk around, you know, intentionally meant to be scary-looking clowns. But man, if you're, you know, rolling around town with a butcher knife, I don't know. I mean, that's just stupid. Yeah, not the, not the smartest thing to do. It's a lot less, it's a lot less fun than my uh, before mentioned recreational activity. <laughs> 
who knows what would happen here. I mean, she might get hit with a baseball bat, you know? It's like, think about this stuff. It's like the people that dress up in Bigfoot costumes and try and, like, walk across rural roads and they get hit by a car. You know, somebody's like, oh, Bigfoot, and they step out, draw their rifle, and shoot at it so you're just asking for trouble but in any case it's a it's a scary legend and kind of a cool legend now we think of ghosts as all different shapes forms sizes sexes whatever but in japan it seems like and i don't you know no offense to my japanese brothers and sisters but it seems like in japan it's a very very male dominated society and most of what we're talking about tonight it almost seems like these are urban legends where people are like you know let's blame the women the women are bad women turn into evil spirits women are you know soon to be vengeful ghosts and and stuff like that so it's a little sexist but they're they're cool stories, but what's your final thoughts on the slit mouth woman? This yeah, this is a story I'm familiar with, and it's one that I guess because of like reading creepy pastas and watching The Ring and stuff like that, it there's something about it that's like more random that kind of is scarier. What what do you mean? Types of like it's random. not. It's not, you know, you you go into this haunted house or you're, you know, in like a graveyard or gotcha. a suicide forest or something like that. It's like you're just walking down the street and what looks like a, you know, normal Japanese girls, yeah, she walks up to you like, Nichiwa, and then she's like, do you think I'm pretty? Yeah. You're like, yeah, sure. And then she, then she shows you, yeah, like, like the Heath Ledger stuff, but like open. You right, know, not scarred up or whatever. Like it looks in the images we have, it you know it appears to kind of open with the rest of the mouth. Yeah, like you said, you're walking down the street in the middle of the day, and this happens. So that adds an element to it, you know, where we say don't mess with Ouija boards, don't go to, you know, locations where a lot of death occurred or whatever. But this this one seeks you out, and there's no real escape like you I mean I I didn't hear anything about like oh you need to run to a Buddhist temple or a Shinto temple or or whatever you know it's you're just kind of fucked unless you can you know throw her some hard candies right yeah chuck a Jolly Rancher down the street and see if she (laughs) chases it That, that was kind of funny so another thing is she's supposed to have inhuman speed so you can't get away like she moves so fast that you can't even see her you may turn to run and she'll be right in front of you again so it's not as simple as you know outrunning a person it's you're just kind of fucked the next one on the list is teke teke but do we really want to call her teke teke because tiki tiki is just so much better (laughs) <laughs> I'll let you yeah, decide. Tiki tiki. Tell us about her. 
Teke Teke or Tiki Tiki is a Japanese urban legend about the ghost of a schoolgirl who is said to have fallen onto a railway line where her body was cut in half by a train. She's an onryo or a vengeful spirit who lurks in urban areas and around train stations at night. Since she no longer has a lower body, she travels on either her hands or elbows, dragging her upper torso and making a scratching or teke teke like sound. If she encounters an individual, she will chase them and slice them in half at the torso, killing them, mimicking her own disfigurement. Some say that Teke Teke only steals her victim's legs. In certain variations, Teke Teke will ask the individual to tell her the location of her missing legs. One version of the story concerns a young woman known as Kashima Reiko. Kashima died when her legs were severed from her body by a train after she fell on the tracks. Some versions of the legend state that when an individual learns of Kashima's story, she will appear to them within one month. So you're all in trouble now. The Kashima Reiko story predates the tale of Teke Teke. The legless spirit of Kashima Reiko is said to haunt bathroom stalls, asking occupants if they know where her legs are. <laughs> There's a lot that happens in Japanese toilets, dude. Yeah. You get a spear up your ass. You could see a legless woman. I, I think probably most Japanese people just hold it until they get home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's why, like, the toilets at home are so nice in Japan, but in the public restroom, sometimes it's just a hole in the ground. They're like, if you have to, go ahead, but, like, don't get comfortable in here. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> Put your butt armor on before you sit down. <laughs> <sighs> if a questioned individual replies with an answer that Kashima does not find acceptable, she will rip or cut their legs off. Individuals may survive the encounter by replying that her legs are on the machine expressway. Or by responding with the phrase, Mask Death Demon. Yeah, so that's kind of a, a weird one. That could be a translation thing, too. But, yeah, Mask Death Demon. I, I don't know why that would drive Teke Teke away, but, hey, I'm willing to try anything. What's your final thoughts on Tiki Tiki Teke Teke? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's very similar to the other in terms of... You know, it being a vengeful spirit mm. who's just looking to mess people up because of something that happened to her in life. My thoughts on Teke Teke, one, is I don't understand how a dragging sound sounds like Teke Teke. I mean, I would think, it. I mean, I guess you can't name a, a, a ghost something that sounds like entrails dragging across the concrete but i don't think that teke teke is a sound unless it's like her fingernails that are tapping on the pavement or you know wherever you're at but yeah or the noise of like dragging and then stopping and then taking mm -hmm. the hand or elbow and putting it forward and dragging again i don't know but what, I, what i'm thinking about is it's not the most common thing in the world but every once in a while if you're in a public restroom like a little kid might try to come under the stall or something because they're just dumb. Because kids are dumb. <laughs> True. And I'm just imagining, like, you're like, ah, shit, some kid's trying to come in here, but... Teke, 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 teke. But yeah, just imagine, like, you think it's a kid coming in, or whatever, which is bad enough, and then only the top half of a body shows up, and it's like, where's my legs? <laughs> Basically, what we're saying is, if you're in Japan bring a weapon to the bathroom if you youtube 
real Teke Teke or like real on Rio, there's one video that is super convincing. I mean, it's it starts off as a little girl running the video camera and she starts like, you know, yelling or screaming or whatever. And then uh, a male comes in, I'm assuming your father, and there's dishes out on the floor in their kitchen and they're all moving around randomly and and it looks extremely difficult to fake unless you know you're using some kind of advanced video editing software or something like that but she's videotaping these dishes moving around and her dad is like bent over trying to collect the dishes and I guess he eventually kind of gives up and he stands up And as he stands up, there's a doorway behind him that's all black. And there's a, you know, a woman's face, a a ghostly Onryo kind of icy blue with black hair and black eyes. And it's, it's pretty realistic, man. I don't presume that it's probably real, but it's a damn good fake. So you might want to check that out, but. Yeah, you'll have to send me the link for that. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Teke Teke? Besides the, not really, just tiki tiki. <laughs> it's tiki tiki. <laughs> no, not really. Um, I mean, just avoid public toilets in Japan. But, yeah, I, it's uh, it's along the same theme of you know you're not really safe anywhere necessarily because it's not you're not going into its territory. It is coming to you. Yeah, you don't have to have any prior connection. You don't have to have done anything wrong don't have to be on a Ouija board or something like that. It just seeps right. you out. Yeah, you don't have to have like forgotten to close out your session or you didn't sage your house or whatever else. It's just, she's coming. That seems kind of like a common theme with the Onrios. You know, they're just spreading chaos and death for the sake of vengeance. They're not seeking anyone specific. It's just anyone can be a victim. And that's a, a kind of a theme in horror, it can happen to you, basically. We'll find out about Yukiona after a quick break. Hey, Crypt Keepers, I want to tell you about our exciting new affiliation with Parabox. Parabox is a t shirt subscription box with a twist. Each month you will receive a new paranormal soft style tea and info card about that month's theme. The shirt and card will contain clues to finding a hidden password for use on their website. You'll also find clues to next month's theme. Correct entries get entered in a raffle for free gear. The shirts are unique. They're pretty dope with designs about all your favorite paranormal stuff like Black Eyed Kids, Bigfoot, Nazca Lines, and a really cool Battle of Los Angeles tee. That's one I'm hoping I will get here sometime soon. The designs are silk screened onto a soft style tee that's super comfortable. From the moment you open your pair box, you'll be so engrossed by the t-shirt, you'll forget there's a puzzle built into it. That's right, each shirt contains a secret password. It can be in the form of codes, ciphers, riddles, numbers, images, or other hidden gems. Have fun exploring the design and putting the pieces together to figure out where to go next. Get your exclusive link in the show notes, and we get a little kickback when you sign up for the box, so you can support the show while getting cool swag with mysteries in the process. 
Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. Yukiona. Ever seen a beautiful woman with snow-white skin and long black hair wandering through the frigid winter? Of course. It may have been a Yukiona or snow woman. When she walks along a snow-covered terrain, you won't find any footprints behind her. Most Yukiona stories originate from Japan's snowy northern prefectures. In some versions, she is a snow vampire who sucks the souls out of her victims. In other versions, she uses her supernatural beauty to lure weak-willed men into the cold, then leaves them to freeze to death. Some say the Yukiona was a beautiful woman who was murdered in the snow, and now does the same to others as an act of revenge. Do you have any final thoughts on Yukiona? No, just imagining bunch of frozen men that look like jack nicholson at the end of the shining <laughs> <laughs> all right you want to tell us about joragumo sure and thank you for the pronunciation of translated to english joragumo means woman spider hmm. <laughs> so back when i was a kid they did release a man spider comic Hmm. There was a point where Spider-Man's mutations were going further than what he had already, and he became more spider than man. Right. So the thing that is like the descriptor comes before the thing that is what you are. Mm -hmm. So he is Spider-Man because he's a man with the capabilities of a spider, and then he became man-spider because he was like this horrifying spider creature. So if any of you out there have seen those comic book covers... Do you have an idea of what we're looking at here? Except it's Japanese, so the human part of her is going to be probably super hot. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's going to be, I think, scaroused is the term you're going to be looking <laughs> for if you look up these images. Nice. Uh, <laughs> however, the kanji can also mean entangling bride or whore spider which is something I've yelled in my bathroom when I found one in the corner. <laughs> they are cunning and appear as seductive young women. They feed on young men who fall for their tricks, trapping them in their webs and devouring them slowly. The Jorogumo legend is based on the real golden orb weaver spider, which is found all over Japan. When the spider reaches 400 years old, she will transform into a Jorogumo and start preying on humans. So that's like her retirement plan. She levels <laughs> up and starts eating people. Yeah, I mean, 400 years is a long time. I'm pretty sure, aside from, like, bird-eating spiders and stuff and tarantulas and stuff like that, most spiders only live a few weeks. So, you got got a long time to wait. That's a lot of rage to build up, you know? Like, fuck, I am a spider for 400 years. That would suck. Now I have to go kill a bunch of people just to get back at the world. But Blow off some steam. Yeah. So there's a lot of stories based on the Jorogumo in... The Night Watchman's storybook, a young warrior encounters a beautiful woman. Realizing she is a yokai, he strikes her with his sword and she flees to the attic. There, they find a dead spider about 30 centimeters long and surrounded by decaying bodies. In Izu, Jorn Falls is home to a Jorogumo. The legend says a woodcutter encountered the spider when she tried to drag him behind the waterfall. He escaped, warning the village to stay away, but an outsider met the Jorogumo. Surprisingly, she let him live as long as he never spoke of it. The story diverges from there, but most versions end with him entangled in spiderweb and wishing he had kept his mouth shut. Yeah, so that kind of sucks. Again, it's just a 
an unwitting person that happens to walk by and boom, Spider Woman gets you. Mm -hmm. But even worse than that, Jorogumo isn't the only killer spider in Japan. Suchigumo, or dirt slash earth spider, are huge wandering spiders with human faces that hide in corners and dark spaces. They were likely influenced by the real-life Chinese bird spider and bandits and soldiers that hid in the shadows and preferred to ambush people. Spiders scare most people, I think. There's not a whole lot of people that I know that are like, oh, spiders are awesome, man. They're, they're you know, they're creepy because they've got their eight legs. They all have venom. The webs are kind of creepy. I don't know, just creepy in general. But in any case... Moving on, you want to tell us about the Yamauba? You betcha. <laughs> Yamauba. All right. I'm just mimicking your delivery. These decrepit hags, depicted as old women with messy hair and filthy kimonos, are known to offer shelter to weary travelers only to kill them once they fall asleep. The Yamauba were once regular women but fled to the forest after being accused of crimes. Another theory is they were victims of Ubusute, literally abandoning an old woman. During hard times such as famine, a family would lead their elderly into the forest to die. Here they would grow angry and resentful, becoming cannibalistic and practicing black magic. However, in some stories they are benevolent. For example, a Yamauba might give a kind stranger treasure or good fortune. In Aichi, Yamauba are seen as protective gods. They are kind of the yin and yang, right? Some of them are really good they they try to help people and some try to kill people and that could be kind of a story to teach you know people like well some of them are good some of them are bad so you can't trust everybody right like some people may appear to be good and they're doing bad things some may be you know old and dirty and you know decrepit as they were described but actually have good intentions all right, so the burden of Ubumi. This is the tragic ghost of a woman who has died during childbirth with or without her baby. And by that, we mean the ghost or spirit is walking around either with the baby or not. So she returns to the living as she still cares about abandoned children. She's usually depicted as a baby carrying woman who gives her baby to a passerby and then disappears. Once the passerby looks at the baby, it turns out that it was merely a big rock or bundle of leaves. She is sometimes depicted as a dreadful woman in blood-stained attire carrying an underdeveloped fetus. In the case where the baby survived, the Abume mother strives to save and care for her still-living child by any means necessary. She can enter shops and buy some food for her baby, but instead of money, the seller will get a bundle of dry leaves. She also tries to lead the people to a place where her baby is so it can be found and buried or adopted by living relatives. Assuming that it's alive, it would be adopted. Assuming if it's dead, it would be buried. But it does make me wonder if folklore is so believed in Japan. Like you could just dress up as this, walk into a store you know, get a bunch of shit and throw some leaves down and they'll be like, oh shit, it's a boomy. <laughs> you know, let her go. Don't go after her. 
She, mm-hmm. she only got a Milky Way and a Slurpee. She didn't kill us, so. <laughs> so who shouldn't we trust? The government. That's true. Any government. The military-industrial complex. Okay, so Futakeshi are notorious for their ability to persuade people to remove their protective charms against ghosts and let vengeful spirits in. Futakeshi was firstly described in a collection of comical poems of the late Edo period about Japanese spirits. Being yurei themselves, Futakeshi cannot touch or remove protective fuda, but by tempting or bribing foolish and greedy people, they achieve this goal and can attack their poor victims. Futakeshi usually appears as a long-haired, semi-transparent woman in a kimono. The legend of the Futakeshi can be found in the ghost story, The Tale of the Peony Lantern? What's a peony? It's a flower, so you can say peony or peony. Peony. All right, we can just leave that in because I didn't know what that was. People could probably use the explanation. That's fine. Uh, And is more sad than creepy. It tells about a female ghost who fell in love with a human but couldn't get into his house because of the protection charms. So it's kind of like a Little Mermaid love story, <laughs> except <laughs> instead of land, it's it's protective magic <laughs> against evil spirits. Right. Desperate to be united with her beloved, she begs him to remove the charm and let her in. Eventually, the man falls in love, too, and removes the protective talismans. As a result, they can spend a night together, but this forbidden affair costs the man a lot as the ghost drains him of all life. And this ghost is depicted not just as wearing a kimono, but almost like in geisha attire, like a kimono with white face paint, hair pulled up with chopsticks holding it together. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, I'm not really familiar with geisha attire all that much, but I know they wear face paint and probably have some kind of designs on their face too. (laughs) Hanako-san or Hanako of the toilet is a legend about the spirit of a young girl named Hanako who haunts school bathrooms. Hmm. A lot of bathroom stuff. Different versions of the story include that Hanako-san is the ghost of a girl who committed suicide during an air raid in World War II. And she committed suicide after getting bullied and hated by other students or mates, so she committed suicide in a school bathroom. Rumors and legends about Hanako-san have achieved notable popularity in Japanese primary schools, where children may challenge classmates to try and summon Hanako-san. Just another reason to hold it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. And I love the picture that you included in your in your notes. It's a very like happy young like anime girl with her hands stretched out like, "Hey, let's play." Like standing in front of a dingy public bathroom. <laughs> right. Yeah, come on in. Water's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a lot of toilet stuff, man. It's a lot of toilet stuff, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about the Oops, I Crap My Pants commercial from oh, yeah. SNL or, or yeah. Mad TV or whichever it was. Yeah, those were it's like, it'll hold a whole pitcher. I imagine this pitcher of iced tea is really a gallon of your feces. Now see how it's super thick fluff filter allows for maximum absorbency without leakage. I'm impressed. Oops, I Crap My Pants can hold a lot of dung. Thanks, Oops, I Crap My Pants. Uh, so this <laughs> next one is kind of a a more modern urban legend, but it's really a cool one. And I want to tell you about it. But anyway, this one is called Kisaragi Station. The Kisaragi Station is a Japanese urban legend originating on the two-channel message boards in 2004. It revolves around a private railway 
in Shizuoka. Shared as an anecdote in a thread, the tale recounted how the anonymous user who was later identified as Hasumi awoke in a train carriage or a train car with all the other passengers asleep. Super creepy. It almost sounds like she was asleep and had a dream that she woke up and everyone else was asleep. But as Hasumi struggled with the mystery, she would have exchanges with users at the message board advising her and sharing her confusion. This sounds like it would make a really good movie, but... Mm -hmm. It was her routine commute to work, but the train was strangely barreling to a destination without any stops as it usually did. The conductor and driver were both inaccessible to every effort, isolating her from any answers explaining the train deviating from a normal schedule. Finally, after an unexpectedly long trip of an hour, the train stopped at Kisaragi Station late into the night. The station was apparently empty and Hasumi was adamant to leave the train. Consulting with users online at their thread, Hasumi was advised that there is no such station listed online and she should withdraw immediately. But she persisted. As Hasumi wandered outside the station and took advice from people on the message board, she attempted to locate a taxi to no success. Defeated, she discovered a telephone booth, dialed her parents and requested that they come get her, but they were unable to find her location. Kisaragi Station appeared on no maps. Zero maps. Her parents urged her to contact emergency services as lost. However, authorities dismissed her calls as though she were a prankster. Hasumi's experience soon became more ominous. Bells ringing from the station, a drumbeat intensifying, and the overall location completely unidentifiable. Terrified to return into the station with an apparently otherworldly festival transpiring, she climbed onto nearby tracks to abruptly have somebody interrupt who screamed, Hey, don't walk on the track, that's dangerous. Maybe it was Teke Teke giving her a warning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Turning around, Hasumi witnessed a one-legged man, not an attendant, who immediately vanished. Panicked, Hasumi fled along the track rashly into a darkened tunnel, stumbling and injuring herself. She soon reached the end of the tunnel and was welcomed by a friendly man who offered a ride to safety. Unusual for this hour and also at such a location. No choices remaining, Hasumi accepted and accompanied the man into a summoned train headed into the distant mountains. The friendly man became silent and Hasumi was unnerved as her surroundings became increasingly unfamiliar. Hasumi completely disappeared and her last message board post was, quote, My batteries almost run out. Things are getting strange, so I think I'm going to make a run for it. He's been talking to himself about bizarre things for a while now. To prepare for just the right time, I'm going to make this my last post for now. Many believe Hasumi is now a vengeful spirit. So that's a cool story, man. I like that story. You know, it's not... You didn't do anything wrong, and you just kind of ended up being sucked into this alternate reality or alternate universe. And I don't know. I just think it's a, a pretty cool story. I, I very likely, if anything, it's a prank ran by 
whoever Hasumi really was. Right. But it's a damn good prank, man. I like it. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's the kind of thing that really gets a following because people don't know if it's real or not. And it brings technology in. Mm-hmm. Modernizes it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's such a big part of our daily lives now. But it also calls into question, like, is it going to work in another dimension? And, I mean, I, I guess it did for a while. I would have liked to heard what would have happened if she brought a charger with her, you know, mm. I, I, or you know had more battery life but it's an interesting story i really like that one so we'll find out about the most famous on rio after a quick break Hey, Crypt Keepers, I want to tell you about our exciting new affiliation with Parabox. Parabox is a t-shirt subscription box with a twist. Each month, you will receive a new paranormal soft style tea and info card about that month's theme. The shirt and card will contain clues to finding a hidden password for use on their website. You'll also find clues to next month's theme. Correct entries get entered in a raffle for free gear. The shirts are unique. They're pretty dope with designs about all your favorite paranormal stuff like Black Eyed Kids, Bigfoot, Nazca Lines, and a really cool Battle of Los Angeles tee. That's one I'm hoping I will get here sometime soon. The designs are silk screened onto a soft style tee that's super comfortable. From the moment you open your pair box, you'll be so engrossed by the t-shirt, you'll forget there's a puzzle built into it. That's right, each shirt contains a secret password. It can be in the form of codes, ciphers, riddles, numbers, images, or other hidden gems. Have fun exploring the design and putting the pieces together to figure out where to go next. Get your exclusive link in the show notes, and we get a little kickback when you sign up for the box, so you can support the show while getting cool swag with mysteries in the process. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. What are we talking about now, you ask? The most famous Onryo of all, Oiwa. Oiwa is an Onryo or a ghost who seeks vengeance. Her strong passion for revenge allows her to bridge the gap back to Earth. She shares most of the common traits of this style of Japanese ghost, including the white dress representing the burial kimono she would have worn, the long, ragged hair and whiter indigo face that marks a ghost in a kabuki theater, which is really cool to me because it's not that she's totally hideous or anything like that. It's just that she's got the face paint on of what a ghost is in kabuki theater, which, if you don't know what that is, it's basically older Japanese theater where, you know, they didn't have special effects and they didn't have all kinds of crazy costumes, but there were a lot of ghosts in their plays. So she would wear basically a a kind of a red splotch on one side of her face and that's how the audience knew that that actor was supposed to be a ghost. There's specific traits to Oiwa that set her apart physically from other Onryo. Most famous is her left eye which droops down her face. She's often shown as partially bald, another effect of the poison which people believe was used to kill her. 
In a spectacular scene in a kabuki play, the living Oiwa sits before a mirror and combs her hair, which comes falling out due to that poison. The hair piles up to tremendous heights. Oiwa is supposedly buried at a temple in a Tokyo neighborhood. The date of her death is listed as February 22, 1636. Several productions of Yotsuya Kaidan, including television and movie adaptations, have reported mysterious accidents, injuries, and even deaths. Prior to staging an adaptation of Yotsuya Kaidan, it is now a tradition for the principal actors and the director to make a pilgrimage to Oiwa's grave and ask her permission and blessing for their production. Sadako Yamamura from the film The Ring is a clear homage to Oiwa. Her final appearance is a direct adaptation of Oiwa, including the cascading hair and drooping malformed eye. Also in Juon, which is a great Japanese horror flick, which is basically, I think, the grudge, when Hitomi is watching the television, the television presenter is morphed into a woman with one small eye and one large eye, possibly a reference to Oiwa. In this story, the husband remains unharmed, however. However, he is the target of the Onryo's vengeance. Oiwa's vengeance on him is not physical retribution, but rather psychological torment. This is the story of how a man's wife became a vengeful ghost and how her malignity was diverted by a master of divination. In this tale from the medieval collection Konjaku Manogatarishu, an abandoned wife is found dead with a full head of hair intact and her bones still attached. The husband, fearing retribution from her spirit, asks a diviner for aid. The husband must endure while grabbing her hair and riding astride her corpse. She complains of the heavy load and leaves the house to go looking, presumably for her husband. But after a day she gives up and returns, after which the diviner is able to complete her exorcism with an incantation of a promise broken. In this tale from the Izumo area recorded by Lafsadio Hearn, a samurai vows to his dying wife never to remarry. But he soon breaks his promise and the ghost of the deceased wife murders her husband's new young bride, ripping her head off. A watchman chases down the apparition and while slashing his sword recites a Buddhist prayer, destroying the ghost of the dead wife. In media, the Onryo is a staple of the J-horror genre, including Sadako Yamamura and Kayako Seiki from the Ring and Juon franchises. The characters in these works are almost exclusively women who were wronged in life and returned as Onryo to wreak havoc on the living and obtain revenge. In the Ring, Sadako Yamamura is the main antagonist. Her origin is from the Ring novel series by Koji Suzuki, where she haunts and kills people through tapes on a TV. Before her death, she is raped by a doctor with smallpox who seals her in a well where she dies. Before Sadako dies, she promises to take revenge on the world and becomes an Onryo. If you guys haven't seen The Ring, The Grudge, and or Juon, I strongly suggest it. They are fantastic movies. There's a lot of creepiness. There's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of 
images which will haunt your nightmares and they're just good stories all around so you need to check those out Yotsuya Kaidan has been made into numerous movies and retold many times over the course of Japanese history. The story revolves around Tamiya Lemon and his wife Oiwa. Their relationship is not a happy one and through some set of circumstances, Lemon gives Oiwa a powder that permanently disfigures her face. Upon realizing this, Oiwa takes her own life and that of her baby. After her death, she comes back to haunt Lemon and his new wife, becoming an Onryo. Tell us about Okiku. Bancho Sariashiki, that's close enough, is another Japanese ghost story that has been retold many ways. In this story, Okiku, a beautiful maid, is the target of desire for the samurai whose house she works at. She continually refuses his advances, and in a fit of rage, Tessin hides one of ten expensive plates that Okiku is in charge of counting. When Okiku cannot find the tenth plate, she recounts them obsessively, panicking more each time. Tessin tells her he will forgive her losing the plate if she becomes his mistress, but even then she refuses him. At her refusal, Tessin throws her into a well on the property where she dies. After this, every night Okiku rises from the well, softly counting to nine and then letting out a horrendous shriek once she reaches ten. She has become an onryo. You know, we said there's a slightly misogynistic mm. theme kind of in Japan, but it's kind of illustrates her job is to count these plates menial you don't have to be you know a little tiny kid can count to 10 and it's kind of like oh well we can trust you just to count these plates because you're so far beneath us and you know she's like oh my my only job is to count these plates i i get to count plates what a great life why is she so scared and and horrified when she can't find that 10th plate Mm -hmm. because I mean, we see in, you know, abusive relationships, it's like, Oh, 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 I'm so sorry. I forgot to um, put your beer on the left side of your plate, not the right side. You know, just this tremendous fear of their husband or significant other or whatever. And that kind of illustrates that. But uh, do you have any other thoughts on that one? No, no. A lot of wells in Japan. Like, I yeah. don't drink well water in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to put all on an Unreal up with every bucket. Right. Tell us about the Eternal Child. Hisako, the Eternal Child or Everlasting Child from the third entry of the fighting game Killer Instinct, is an Unreal who died while defending her village. She still haunts her old village and will take vengeance on anyone who desecrates its ruins with her Naginata. Do you know what a naginata is? No, not off the top of my head. So it's basically like a, a bow staff, like a six-foot staff with mm-hmm. a blade on the end, but not a spear. It's it's kind of a cross between like a sword and an axe on the end, but more sword-like, hmm. if that makes sense. So go ahead. She has pale white skin and long black hair like most on Rio. In 2018, the asymmetrical horror game Dead by Daylight released the Shattered Bloodline Chapter DLC, or, yeah, downloadable content, and with it came Rin Yameoka, the Spirit. The Spirit is an Onryo who returns from the dead after being brutally murdered by her father. Sadako Yamamura was added as a playable character. 
The term Onryo is also present in the game Phasmophobia, or Fear of Ghosts. It is one of 24 ghost types that the player can identify and is noted for treating lit candles like a crucifix. Sounds like my kind of game. Yeah. There's there's actually a really interesting game that I played a couple years ago. I want to say it was on the PS4. A murdered Soul Suspect. That was what it was called. Mm-hmm. And Soul is S-O-U-L. Mm-hmm. And the plot of the game is you're this cop who's shot mm-hmm. during just during your job and you come back as a ghost and you're basically trying to figure out who it is that killed you and help you know help in the investigation so there but there are things that you deal with on the spirit side like you'll see glimpses of other ghosts or you know like a random area might instead of a modern building it'll be like this one from the past that that there are spirits in and you can solve other crimes that have happened in some of these places. And the only there are only a few ways you can interact with the living, and one of them is you can, like, possess cats. Huh. They're, like, animals that you can control or influence, and you can make them do stuff that you want. It was actually a really a pretty good game. Sounds like it. Yeah, in terms of, like, it had a, a really interesting story, interesting side missions that you could do, like a lot of mechanics to it that take advantage of and kind of explore the idea of being a ghost, mm-hmm. you know, and like, what's, what do you, you know, what do you do on that side? What's it like trying to help other spirits? So can the other players or, or other characters see you? Only other like spirits. Okay. And there's, so there's not like a psychic in, in the game that can see you that you can communicate with or anything. I don't, you never made it that far. No, I beat it, but it was a couple of years ago. I don't think it was. I don't think there were any living characters that you communicate directly with. Gotcha. Interesting. But yeah, it, it has a, you know, it's a non-obvious sort of thing. It's not one of those where, like, so many games, so many movies, you know what the the plot is going to be in the first like fifteen twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Like you know what's going to happen. This one, it kind of keeps you guessing, and it is. Uh, Looks like it was made, yeah. Most of the names on here are Japanese, so maybe it takes some some influence from these stories. Yeah, that sounds like a fun game. I mean, it, it's interesting to me because it seems like you would have to get up close for most of these to even know what you're dealing with. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if you see Teke Teke without legs, you're going to know that's what it is. But for the most part, they're all like, young pale-skinned Japanese women with long black hair in a white dress and maybe that was just how everybody dressed back in those days well I, I guess I should say that you know they the burial kimono that they wear is like a white dress basically so I, I guess maybe that's where the white dress comes in but they're all very similar mm-hmm. anyway so it's it is interesting though because even in America where we have a huge diversity of you know how we appear skin eyes size you know all that it seems like most of the like female ghosts in America are also depicted as having long dark hair pale skin and a white dress so i don't know if maybe that's something that you know kind of carried over or if that's just a common theme in the paranormal in general but 
I don't know. That's kind of interesting to me. But what, what do you have any final thoughts on it? I don't. Watch the bathrooms. Yeah, no kidding. Watch any body of water, basically. <laughs> um, don't trust women, which maybe is the moral of all these stories, which is <laughs> not a great one to have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's very misogynistic, and I think that there's not really a, a good moral to all these stories. You know, it's kind of like no matter what you do, a beautiful woman is going to kill you and eat your soul. So <laughs> that's all we've got for you tonight on Cryptique. Thanks for listening. You want to tell them what they need to know? Sure. Share, share, share. And uh, yeah, don't uh, just on everything. On all your social media platforms, on Instagram, on Facebook, go to your local public toilet. Don't sit down. Don't use it. We've warned you about that. But like maybe put up just a note like Cryptique is awesome. You know, subscribe, (laughs) something like that. You know, you can stick like little flyers in your local library, like stick them in some of the books. Isn't that one of the things we did to start with? I'm pretty sure that was actually something we were doing. Maybe you could just write some graffiti in there, like watch out for Hanako of the bathrooms. Or yeah. Hanako, I think it was Hanako of the toilet. <laughs> yeah, 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 I think it was. So if you have ideas, suggestions, feedback. Or want to tell us what we missed. Did we miss yeah, something? Or, or how bad our pronunciations are or other toilet-related ghost stories, <laughs> you can email us at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our crypt talks <laughs> at cryptique underscore podcast on TikTok. <sighs> I have nothing to do with that one. Soon to be on YouTube. Hey, don't don't put me out there like that, man. You're like, <laughs> I have nothing to do with those. Suck. I got nothing those, to do with that. Hey, man, I tried TikTok for a couple of hours, and it's hard. I don't know, man. Yeah, it is hard because you can you. It all it knows is what you're looking at, like what you're leaving on the screen. So if you're appalled by something. And you leave it on the screen, it's like, oh, he likes this. And then that's all it's going to show you. And it's so easy to screw up the little recommendations. And then it's so easy to sit there for like an hour and just scroll through these little videos. Yeah. And you can feel your IQ dropping every (laughs) video. Man, it is so good at just feeding you stuff Mm -hmm. so fast. So, yeah. I mean, if you go to TikTok, you should search our stuff and stay safe with that. Don't don't venture beyond the walled garden. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we'll catch you next week. Check back in for the after party. And we are going to be discussing the horrifying paranormal experience of the Bowen family. This is a very dark story. So this is not something that you should listen to with children around. Good evening, Crypt Keepers.